Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, October 18, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So what's been, give us the latest on the MBA admissions front, because I know it's just, this is, we're in the heat of round one. There's probably interview invitations flowing. What have you been seeing happening and what's, what's coming up? Yeah, I mean, last week we saw plenty of interview invites starting to come out from a lot of, you know, a variety of different programs. There are still a few programs that, um, that, that release all their invites at certain times um, rather than sort of put them out on a rolling basis. So we're still um, waiting to hear from a few of those programs, like the Wharton School is at the end of October, for example. Chicago hasn't released any of its interview invites yet, but I'm anticipating Chicago maybe this week. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be releasing their invites. We do know that uh, Michigan Ross is planning to roll its interview invites out this week too. Not sure exactly what day or days, but this week for sure. So lots of, yeah, invite activity, Graham. Good. Yeah, it's a good time of year for that to be happening. And I know, um, you know, it's like nerve wracking and, and that's why we, you know, that's why we record the podcast It's where we publish lots of <laughs> interview related tips and things to keep people busy while they're prepping or, or waiting for news. Um, over one of the things I wanted to mention is that we officially announced, I know our podcast podcast listeners have been privy to this for quite some time now, probably a month or so, but we officially announced and launched rankings wire on the website. It's now linked, um, part of the menu system on the website and you can see it. So that was a lot of fun to kind of um, finish that project off. And I did want to thank those listeners who went and submitted entries on RankingsWire to kind of um, prime the pump there so that we had lots of entries when we officially unveiled it to the world. Um, So that's kind of fun. And if you're just tuning in now, RankingsWire is just a fun tool that you can go in on our website and, and rank MBA programs, you know, make your own customized ranking and share what preferences or priorities you used in kind of creating your ranking. So it's a lot of fun. It works just like all the other wires where you create a post and then it, it you know appears on a feed. Um, so lots of fun getting that going, um, Alex. And the other thing related to the website, and we haven't announced this yet, but I think some people have noticed that there's a little picture next to your name and next to my name when we um, are commenting on the website. And so I've got to put up a little post on the site to explain how this works. But basically anyone who's a registered user can um, choose a little image of their um, uh, you know, wh- whatever they want. It doesn't have to be their face if they want to have, um, you know, a picture of a, <laughs> an animal or whatever, but you can have a little image attached to your username now. Um, so that's a new feature that we've rolled out and I'll try and get some instructions up on the website or just alert people to this. I mean, basically just go to your user profile and, and can upload one. But so lots of little changes happening on the website, which is fun. And more to come, right, Graham? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, the other thing is over on the website, we've been, you know, just continuing to roll out a lot of content. We've been um, kind of profiling the class profiles um, as schools release them. So we profiled Wharton and Berkeley over the last week or so. And just for those of you who love these statistics, Wharton's class of 2023, uh, average GPA was 3.6, GMAT average was 7.33, GRE 324, the biggest stat that I think they're really proud of, and that's kind of a milestone for them, is 52% women, um, and they surged back up to 36% international after a kind of down year with COVID. I think they only had 19% in the class of 22 uh, international students. So 
Yeah, a lot of interesting numbers out of Wharton. Anything, do, I don't know, do you do these numbers uh, say anything to you, Alex? I mean, you were there for years and years. All these numbers seem really high to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the 733 GMAT 324, is that what you said, GRE? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because, again, you know, is a 324 GRE the equivalent of a 733 GMAT? I wouldn't think so, right? No. So it's very interesting how these median scores differ per standardized test and there might be something to be read there i'm going to throw a question back to you graham wharton 52 percent female fantastic um congratulations to them i think marshall was perhaps the first top program to eclipse 50 percent, and now wharton has, has joined them um i think i read actually on reddit that um say for example tepper had quite a low or a very low um, female representing score in, in terms of their profile? Am I, am I remembering that correctly, Graham? I, yeah, I don't have the number in front of me, but it was definitely lower than, it wasn't half, Lily Wharton is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so my question is, are the top schools um, um, attracting more of, the, more of the top tier female candidates into their programs at the cost of the schools in the next tier or two down? Or are we seeing a, a larger proportion of top tier candidates being female? Yeah. That would be an interesting piece of research. Yeah. And I don't know the answer. I do know that, you know, um, for quite a little while now, more women are graduating from undergraduate than men. But that was always the case when I was at Wharton, Graham, and we, we were doing 30% female in the MBA. Right. And undergrad women were a high percentage than men. But I, I think it's accelerated a bit. And I would also argue that I think that the labor market's changed and, you know, women are, you know, increasingly, you know, taking on all kinds of roles in the business world. Yeah. And so I, I feel like some of it is just a general groundswell of there, you know, kind of more women in the pool. Um, and so schools are able to, you know, get more into their class. I also think, um, you know, some of it could be related to you know, each program has its own um, kind of specialty areas that may or may not draw women. I know, you know, it's probably market related too. you know, like schools in New York or big cities might have an easier time attracting female candidates. Um, I mean, it's hard to know what's at play here, but you're right. It would be very interesting to research this. And, you know, while we're talking about it, like if you look at Berkeley, which was the other school whose numbers we profiled over the last week or so, you know, they have 37% women which, you know, in of itself, not a bad number when you think about, you know, historically where these numbers are, but it's a big, you know, it's a, a big leap down from Wharton at 52%. And so I was kind of surprised by that because I think of the Bay Area as having a, you know, there's a lot of women working in, um, in all kinds of domains out there. So I was a little surprised by that, at least the contrast, because these are both, you know, arguably top 10 schools. Um, so I don't know, what, do you have any thoughts on like, what, I wonder what's at play here? Like, how did Wharton snatch up all these great <laughs> female candidates? No, it's a fair play to them. I, have we done the HBS class profile? I think we did. I think it was one of the first ones. They've done that. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, interesting to remember where they're at. But anyway, we don't want to take up the whole 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 podcast on this <laughs> particular issue, but it, it is a very interesting um, um, issue, I think. Totally. I think there's no doubt there's more, there's a higher representation of female candidates candidates at the top of the heap now. that That's clear. Sure. And for a lot of the reasons that you state, I'm just wondering if some schools are able to increase their proportion of female candidates at the cost of 
other schools. Yeah, very possible. Even in an increasing pool of female candidates. Yeah, you may very well be right. I mean, frankly, I was just shocked that, at Tepper's number. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was low. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I know, um, yeah, what, what, an interesting debate. Um, you're right, we should probably move on. But I did want to share the other Berkeley stats since we were kind of giving out those stats for Wharton. With Berkeley, it was a 3.67 GPA, uh, 726 GMAT, 323 GRE, um, 37% women, 37% international. They have 14% of their student body identifies as LGBTQ, and 16% are first-generation college. So kind of interesting stats there. Um, again, all these class profiles are pretty stunning. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at these numbers. Um, and then the only other stuff that's been happening over on the website is we published a couple more real humans uh, where we profile current students. So we profiled some students at ESE in Spain and then a big one on MIT Sloan. Uh, those just ran. So check those out if you're interested in those programs. And we were very fortunate to sit down and do a Q&A on the website with Lisa Rios, who's the Dean of Admissions over at NYU Stern. So lots of good stuff happening over at clearedmit.com. Um, yeah, I think that's th those are, that's kind of everything happening over there. I know you've picked out three really interesting candidates for us to profile this week. I did want to um, make two like really brief comments. One is that we have 99 ratings uh, on Apple Podcasts of our show, and it's been sitting there for like a week or two at least. And I'm like, why can't we, someone just go and rate the show, get us up over 100. That would be great. Because <laughs> um, I just, you know, it'd be nice to get more ratings. Obviously, we love reviews too, but rating like literally will take you like three seconds to put in. So if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, just throw us up, uh, throw in a, a rating so we can get over that hurdle into the triple digits. Are, the, are these 99... Are they 99 positive ratings, Graham, or are we just asking for any kind of rating? Well, ideally, it'd be a, you know, five-star rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so far, I mean, we have a 4.9 out of 5, I think, so we've done okay, but it'd be good to just get some more. Um, it's just nice to see those uh, accumulate. The other thing is, and this is just sort of a random thing that I was thinking about today, is we don't currently have a sponsor for the podcast, and I feel like we should. And I know um, our director of sales, maybe he has something lined up, I have no idea, but it just occurred to me, if you're listening and your company hires a lot of MBAs or wants to hire a lot of MBAs or you you know, just think you know someone who'd want to sponsor the show, we're always open to that. Um, you know, most people run in the other direction, but we, <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take a sponsor if somebody wants, uh, wants to sponsor. Um, that's about it, though. I, I do want to get into our, um, our wiretaps portion. I mean, people can always email us if they want, as usual, info at clearedmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. But otherwise, Alex, I want to talk about these candidates because you've picked out some really cool ones this week. Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an entry we received on ApplyWire, and the candidate has four schools in her sights. Uh, she's got Columbia, Harvard, MIT, and Stanford. And she wants to start next fall. She's gonna be applying in round two, if memory serves, and she is an aerospace engineer. Um, she wants to pivot into venture capital or tech after business school, and she lists out some um, big-time VC uh, funds, Anderson Horowitz, Sequoia Capital, Van Rock, uh, space capital, space fund, starburst aerospace. So there's, you know, she has this focus on um, kind of aerospace and then stuff. Um, her GMAT score is a 670. Her GPA is a 3.9. She's been working for three years, located in LA and open to going to New York, San Fran, Boston, or even London post-business school. 
Um, she mentions very kindly, she says, Hi guys, I am addicted to listening to your podcast. Thank you so much for making B-School information um, available to those who come from non-consulting or banking backgrounds. Um, and she says she would love to know our thoughts on her odds of getting in to these schools on her list. Um, she's going to be applying in round two, and she indicates that she doesn't feel like she comes from a target background because of her, you know, she works in aerospace. Um, and so, you know, I, I'll kind of stop there because you had some dialogue with her, but, you know, she's a mechanical engineering major with an aerospace minor, top 30 university, um, lots of undergraduate extracurriculars, what, but, but, you know, there's this GMAT score. So what do you make of her candidacy? I'm surprised you didn't list, list Texas in her post-MBA location too. Isn't that where SpaceX has moved to? Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, yeah, but I guess it depends if she wants to do, this is one of the pivotal things, if she wants to do VC around the kind of aerospace and space, right, um, okay. or if she wants to work for, yeah, in the industry itself, which is something we're going to talk about. I yeah, think. yeah. 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 The three things I'd like to talk about regarding this candidate. One is, I think they're outstanding candidate, right? In terms of, you know, Three nine mechanical engineer, super busy undergraduate student involved in lots of stuff. So they're clearly smart, female, you know, engineer. All that stuff is really, to me, that's that's very positive. Um, and then they they sort of go on into their career, and I'm going to take it at face value that they've done very well. And you'd hope that 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 then gets backed up by strong um, recommendations and so on and so forth. Um, their um, extracurriculars now might not be quite as robust, um, but I think we can look beyond that. There's just so much to like in terms of their profile, their academics, their their their, their work experience, and so on and so forth. Um, so to me, that's all positive, and I would think a top program based off of that will. Um, We'll, 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 we'll look very closely at this candidate. There's a couple of areas that I think um, need sort of shoring up. Um, the 670 GMAT is going to be a problem. Now, they're, they're a poor standardised test taker. They, they can make that argument because they didn't fare well on the SAT and they got a 3.9 engineering um, um, G, uh, GPA. So, that, so, so to me, I can understand that argument. I would encourage them sort of to, to either take the GMAT one more time to say, look, I've made the effort, I've retaken the test, and I've come back with a similar score, or take the GRE and try to push a little bit above 3.20, because as we've just shown in these profile reviews of these top schools, those median GRE scores are not as competitive as those median GMAT scores. I think that's quite clear, Graham. I'm not exaggerating that point, right? Yeah, and we, I mean, this is something we talked about at the tail end of last episode. Yes. Where, you know, where we talked about is the GRE kind of a, I don't want to say a backdoor, but a way for schools to, you know, admit folks who maybe aren't as good as, at standardized testing and who, you know, they feel like they're not going to be punished in the stats for doing so maybe. So, yeah, yeah it's very interesting when you look at these numbers, but I agree. And to me, this candidate fits right in that bucket. Yeah. That a school is going to want this candidate. They've, they can show that they can do the work. They've got a terrific engineering degree. They've great work experience. Uh, female engineers are not overrepresented by any stretch of the imagination. So 
So I think that would be a, a, a good thing for them to do. Um, but then use the optional essay. You know, let's say they came back with a 321 or something like that. That puts them more in the ballpark for sure. Um, but they can use the optional essay and exp explain the circumstance of, uh, uh, you know, backing up maybe with the SAT score, the 3.9 GPA and so on and so forth. So, so if they could do that, that would be terrific um, because they're giving reassurance to top schools that they are a great candidate, which I think top schools are going to want to admit this um, this candidate, Graham. We've talked about this idea before, right? Where where there are certain candidates, when you read the application, you want to admit them, but there's a nagging piece of it that's sort of holding you back a bit. Across the board, bar the test score, schools are going to want to admit this candidate, I believe. The other slight um, thing that I might encourage this candidate to do is to adjust their post-MBA goals from VC in space, which, you know, as we all know, transitioning into VC is, is, is a tall order. I don't know specifically about this particular industry, and maybe this candidate has a really good sort of um, access into VC in space, so ignore what I'm saying if that's the case. But going into a startup environment in space in a strategy role would make perfect sense to me, Graham, after MBA or doing consulting with a space focus, then startup, space, then VC. It just makes sure that they, their pathway is not only ambitious, which is great, but also plausible. Yeah, no, I agree. When you get, you kept saying VC in space, and I was thinking, wait, you know, that's that's going to be tough to set up a venture capital firm in space. Oh yeah. Um, but I, but I, but I know, no, I, I agree. It is tough to get. Graham, I meant, I meant VC in the space space. Yes, in the space space. You know, and speaking of language here, <laughs> there was a line in her post that made me. Um, so I agree with you 100% on everything you've said. I mean, I think, you know, retaking the GMAT or taking the GRE is, is vital here. Um, I also think that maybe some adjustment to the goals, just in terms of like, you know, if she were to say she wants to go back to aerospace or in consulting or, you know, maybe in a startup role, that would be great. Um, and then maybe longer term getting into VC, because I just, like you, always have concerns about the sort of short-term VC target for someone who's not coming from investment banking or from the VC space itself. Um, I had to laugh though. She has this comment, which is a very accurate comment, but I just thought the language was great. She said, I'm very excited for the upcoming explosion in the space economy. And I had to chuckle because I was like, I don't think we should use the word explosion when talking about, <laughs> about the space economy, because <laughs> some people might be sensitive to that. Um, you know, as you see the rockets that, uh, Elon Musk keeps sending up and yeah. <laughs> falling back to earth. Um, but in any event, I, I think you've summed it up really well. I, I, if I were her, I would go out and take either the GRE or the GMAT um, just to be able to show that. And then if it doesn't work out, easy thing to write an optional essay about how, you know, did really well in undergrad. I mean, look at her major and, and you know, and her, her minor. I mean, she's, this is not, she did not have an easy path through undergrad, and yet she has a 3.9. So I think, as you also said, schools are going to be really wanting to take someone like this into their program. And so she just needs to give them a reason and to, to you know, make sure that they're not scratching their head saying, huh, you know, there's this one sitting at the exam, it's way below our average, why didn't she give it that extra effort? So that would be my advice to her. And then, yeah, just thinking a little bit more about the goals. 
This is not to say, by the way, that she will not be able to go and work for a VC fund in this domain. It's just more that I feel like, you know, from the admissions reader standpoint, it might be more palatable to have an intermediate step there somehow. Completely agree. Yeah. So I want to thank her um, for sharing her post. Um, really interesting background and lots of fun <laughs> to talk about. Uh, and and as, as our listeners will hear, there's a bit of a space theme um, on this week's episode. So we'll, moving right along here, we'll get into Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is an ApplyWire entry that we received. Uh, it's, the candidate is targeting five schools, and those schools are Arizona State, Carnegie Mellon, the Indian School of Business, Indiana Kelly, and Toronto Rotman. And they're also hoping to start next fall. They've been working as a process and quality assurance engineer, and they want to get into entrepreneurship uh, after business school. They have a GMAT score of 750, um, big score there. Uh, they have a GPA of 7.87, which is uh, out of 10, and that's um, because they went to undergraduate in India, which uses a kind of out of 10 type scale or out of 100. Um, and then uh, they've been working for 2.3 years. <laughs> um, I like that precision. And they're located in India. They want to land in the U.S. after business school. Their undergrad was in electronics and communications engineering um, from a decent university in India. And they've been working for a couple years with an NGO. They also do part-time work as a fitness trainer. They've written their essays. Um, and they're just wondering, like, what are their chances? They have a lot of expertise in kind of operations. So they're proficient in ISO, quality standards, which is, you know, kind of operation speak. But um, in any event, wh- what do you make of this candidate? Because it's an interesting set of schools that they've targeted. They have a really tremendous GMAT score, but they're obviously an overrepresented majority, right? They're Indian uh, engineer applying from India. Um, yeah, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, actually, you you made a very good point before we came on air, which I hadn't really focused my thoughts on at all. This person is not aiming very high in 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 realistic terms, right? So, with the seven fifty G mat, strong undergrad, with with you know the NGO experience on top of their short work experience, and I I underline that short. Um, they probably will end up with options with the set of schools they've applied. Um, so that's perfectly fine, you know, if that's what they want to do. My my whole take on this candidate, Graham, is if this candidate came back in two years' time, um, you know, they've got four or five years of experience, a lot more seasoning, a lot more impact from their work, a lot more insight in terms of where they want to go and so on and so forth, then then they'd be aiming a lot higher. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm not sure. I mean, they didn't get into like sort of what's, um, you know, what what's the rush kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, though, those were the two issues. I was sort of like, wow, if they just waited a, a year or two, maybe they'd have more experience and more, um, you know, leadership and things and, and could be very competitive in a kind of top 20 or even top 16 kind of context. Could, could be M7, Graham. Let's not, I mean... Yeah, it's possible. Not, not beat around the bush. Yeah. Big impact person in a couple of years' time. This, why not? Yeah, agreed. And then the other thing that needed work in my mind, and this is, you know, um, kind of something we see routinely with a younger candidate is... They talk about wanting to do entrepreneurship after business school, but I didn't see any sort of detail, you know, about like what does that entail and 
they don't have an entrepreneurial background. It's not like they've already started a company. And so I, I was sort of like um, just wanting to hear more about that. And I'm worried that, you know, if they're writing their essays, they're going to need to explain like what's the plan and what qualifies them to pursue that plan. So again, as you say, they probably will get some options. I mean, they have pretty good numbers, um, seem like an interesting candidate. They're applying to schools where their numbers are above the average. So I think they're going to get into some of these places. Um, I assume if they want to stay in the USA, they're carefully looking to see which of these programs, if not all, are, um, you know, kind of STEM uh, eligible so they could stay for up to three years and work and, and ideally figure out a way to get an H-1B or get sponsored um, while they're doing that. Um, but yeah, the only question I had for you, this is a final question, is if they want to be in the USA, what do you think of the fact that they've got the Indian School of Business and um, Toronto Rotman on their list? Do you think that that's because they have a fallback of, well, I'll stay in India if I have to, or I'm happy to go to Canada? Or, or do you think that they're still thinking, I'm going to go to one of those programs and end up in the U.S.? It's going to be more challenging, isn't it? Certainly India School of Business. So yeah. I'm hoping, and I do think this sort of comes across in, in the comments, in the, the com- this short conversation we've had, that they they will reassess their their options at this point and potentially reapply again in one or two years' time, rather than take quote unquote the safety option. I, it's it's MBA or bust this season, which I really don't think it is for this candidate. Now, obviously, we don't know what their current um, career situation is. Um, maybe they have to leave their job. We don't know that. We don't know what their personal situation is. Maybe there's some urgency for them to get the MBA. But if there is no urgency to get the MBA, if there is a positive forward pathway where they know they can progress, show more impact and really fully fully sort of engage over the next couple of years, that's got to be the advice for this candidate, Graham. Yeah, I agree. So um, I want to thank them for sharing their profile. Um, Hopefully they'll take our advice uh, under consideration. You know, it sounds like they maybe have already applied or in the process with some. And so they can see where the chips fall, um, what the scholarship dollars look like, if any of that, you know, if there's any money (laughs) thrown their way. But I do agree that they could be opening up a whole different, um, you know, kind of set of opportunities if they were to wait a bit. So, um, all right, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another ApplyWire entry, uh, and this candidate has six schools on the list, and this um, allows us to return to our space theme. Um, This person wants to go to Dartmouth, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago, or Darden. They're currently an Air Force officer. Um, They actually mentioned they're a physicist working in in, in a geospatial intelligence squadron, Um, and they want to get into consulting or tech after business school. Companies that they've got on the list are Accenture, Bain, and Booz Allen. GRE score 329, GPA 3.43. They've been working for five years, and they're located in Ohio. The other wrinkle with this candidate is that they have already heard back from HBS with a um, basically with a rejection. They were not invited to interview in round one, <clears throat> and so they're super nervous as a result of that. And so they wrote and, and posted their profile in an effort to get some feedback from us. Um, they also did mentioning that, they did mention that they've seen a lot of military people profiled on the podcast, but none with a profile like theirs. And they said they'd love to be featured and that they've been listening for a year and they love the podcast. So we'll, we'll take all those <laughs> compliments always. Um, but, you know, Alex, I did want to ask you to kind of 
walk me through what you think of this candidate, but also when you hear physicists working in a geospatial intelligence squadron, do you think science fiction movie? I mean, that was the first thing that I that like jumped to my mind. It's like not the kind of everyday job that you hear about in the MBA business process. <laughs> I was I was going to ask you, Greg, what what does that mean? Do you know? No, no idea. And that's actually could be part of the problem too, right? So we'll get into that maybe. But what do you what do you make of this candidate? And what do you, do you think that they should be panicking since they were rejected from HBS? Like, what's your take on that? I think this candidate belongs in a top program. Yeah. Um, you know, they they check a lot of the boxes that make someone attractive for a very top program. So their numbers are great. I mean, 329 um, GRE is well above the averages as we've talked about on, on, on this <laughs> show for sure. Um, their overall GPA is good. Well, it's decent. STEM degree, 343. There is a little bit of an issue in this um, they they basically t- did community college and then they did a finish up their degree at at, at a university, and the GPA from that university is not 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 as competitive. But they they essentially I'm I'm guessing I I'm, I'm not sure if they're first generation um, um, applicant, um, but they they had to pay for their own studies and they sort of ex- try to accelerate through and they they had to skip some prerequisite courses whilst taking advanced physics and math courses. I mean, that, that's going to be challenging for absolutely anybody, right? So yeah. um, presumably they, they explain that a little bit in the optional essay. Um, I think that's important. Um, whether it means that they should potentially look at um, doing MBA math or HBS core to, to round that, up, that issue out, I'm, I'm not in, in, entirely sure, but, but it certainly um, needs a little bit of explanation. You would think that their work experience is super interesting, Graham. I mean, Air Force officer working as a physicist in this sort of geospace intelligence squadron. So obviously they're doing some highly analytical work. They, they've talk, they talk in, in their, their profile about artificial intelligence and so on and so forth. So hopefully they've been able to articulate that well in their um, applications and so on and so forth, which I imagine they, they did because their GRE score says their verbal skills are absolutely top-notch. Um, so quite frankly, Graham, there's a lot to like here. Now, um, with the explanation on that GPA side, I think that that might be the, the potential um, weakest link. The... Um, <clears throat> The issue of getting not getting an interview invite at Harvard, I get why that's nerve-wracking, right? So they're the first school to really roll out interview invites. It's shocking because they are obviously, bar potentially Stanford, they're, 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 they're right at the top of the heap. So if you don't get an interview invite at Harvard, recognize, firstly, Harvard takes a deep cut in terms of who it invites, right? So it's not inviting 50% of the pool, it's probably about 20, 25%. They admit a, a much larger portion of those that they invite to interview. Um, but that doesn't really take away from the sting of the of, of the deny at that stage. Um, I think year on year, Graham, we see folks that don't get an interview invite at Harvard getting an admit at Stanford, but certainly get getting admits at other M7 schools too. Um, so... To me, Graham, this this candidate has to belong in an M7 program, which one it is, I'm not sure, making sure they explain the GPA issue. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for them, Graham. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, 
you know, that the, the GPA is explainable. And first of all, it's a three, four, it's like only a tick or so below the average at some of these top programs. So I'm not panicking. And I do think they had this difficult transition from community college to a, what they call a public Ivy. So a very good um, public institution. And, you know, yeah, as you said, they took all these upper level physics and math courses to complete their degree and, and, you know, their GPA suffered a little bit, but I'm, I think they can overcome that. I'm hoping that they explain that in the, you know, in the optional essay. Um, the thing for me, and I also am not, you know, the GRE is fantastic. They had a 99th percentile on the verbal and a 76th percent on the math. So those are fine. Um, but I, the thing that jumped out at me, and I, I could be wrong here, but the thing that that I got worried about, and I, first of all, I agree, you can't sound an alarm with a, an HBS rejection because they don't interview that many people, like you're saying. But the only thing that sounded a bit of an alarm for me was, you know, this sort of physicist working in geospatial intelligence squadron. And then later on, they talked about, you know, working in scientific and technical intelligence, um, including, you know, uh, increasing capabilities in artificial intelligence. And so I, I was a little bit lost. Like I have a sense of what they do, but I was I, I just a little alarm went off, like thinking how good of a job have they done explaining what they do in real layman's terms um, for the admissions committee. So hopefully that wasn't an issue. And if they get interviews at some of these other schools, you know, they'll be able to speak about what they do in very plain language Again, remembering that the people interviewing them are super smart, but not super knowledgeable of their industry and domain. And, and obviously, when we get into things like artificial intelligence or physics or, um, you know, a geospace, or whatever, like I, I'm, you know, I'm out of my depth, I know. And so I just want to make sure that, um, you know, that, that, that they're doing a good job and they still have a chance to do a good job because they're going to be interviewing at some of these programs, I'm sure of it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm rooting for this candidate. I, I think... Um, there's not a lot that they can do other than, you know, pass their time listening to the podcasts and stuff. I mean, I, I think, you know, there, there's no like course correction that they can take. They've applied. They're going to have to wait and see where the chips fall. I did want to ask you, though, if things seem to be, you know, continuing to go poorly for them, is there any, are there any schools that they should be considering adding in the second round? Like I'm noting that, you know, they have a lot of top schools here. They've got Tuck and Harvard and MIT, Stanford, Chicago and Darden. But did you, I mean, I, I'm noting like, you know, so Wharton's not there, uh, Columbia's not there, Kellogg's not there. I don't know if they should be thinking about that. And, yeah. um, and maybe it's too soon, we'll, you know. I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. They should have Wharton and Kellogg on their radar, if, if nothing else. Whether If they need to apply in round two, they're going to be perfectly fine, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, they're not overrepresented in the pool. So their competitiveness will be just as strong in round two as round one. So, you know, as they're sort of currently sort of trying to de-stress a little bit, maybe start looking at, at, at Wharton and Kellogg, um, for example, I wouldn't dip any lower than where they're applied. They're going to have to get into one of these programs. It's aiming at enough of them, I think, that just make sure that they do land somewhere. I don't think that they are really targeting reach schools here, Graham. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, and again, I think they're going to land on their feet. I, I have a really strong feeling that one of the schools they've applied to is going to come through, if not multiple. And that, again, we can't place too much stock in not making the cut at HBS because it's a whole other kind of ball game there. So we will see what happens. But I did want to thank that person for being a faithful listener um, of, you know, on the show here. And yeah, just really appreciate them sharing their profile. Um, Alex, uh, thanks for picking these out. I don't know if you did it on purpose, but we had these two kind of space <laughs> candidates um, this week. That was kind of cool. Um, it's an area that we just hear a lot about nowadays um, in, in the media. So 
um, kind of an interesting development. And the other thing I was going to say is we forgot, but we're supposed to be telling everyone to buy the interview guides that Clear Admit sells on the website. Um, if you get an interview at a top school, we have interview guides. They're PDFs that you just download on our website. They've got all the questions you can expect to be asked, along with extensive instruction on how you should go about thinking um, and crafting you know, your responses, and lots of nice tidbits about what happens when you interview, lots of really good information that just, you know, for 20 bucks, you cannot go wrong in terms of making sure your interview goes well at these top programs. So take a look at our interview guides on the site, and please tell at least one person about this podcast if you're listening today. Um, Alex, anything else from you? I think this was uh, a lot of fun and we'll do it in another week if you can uh, make it back in one week's time here. Yeah, and I think if they're still listening after 36 or 37 minutes, they should tell two folks about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, two. All right. So, um, and remember to rate uh, the show on Apple so we can get over that 99 number. Um, but thanks again, Alex, and we'll see you next week. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.